You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Father, I pray that you touch the people in this house, those in this moment that are calling out to you. I pray, God, that you will fill the empty spaces. I pray, God, that you'll restore those things that are broken. I pray that you'll heal those things that need healing and mend those things that have been tattered. Dear God, we come to you knowing that you are God. There is none like you, Father. We bless your name. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We loose your Holy Spirit in this house to move and to reign. Hallelujah. And we'll be mindful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Lord, I pray that you empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit so that you can reach your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I want to take this time to dismiss the children. Um, they can go to the children's ministry in the back. I believe that God has prepared something for our little ones. Amen. In 2023... And as a, a father of girls, we need the Lord's help, and they can get all the Jesus they can get. Amen. I pray for those that are going to be ministering to our future saints, our future church. Amen. Um, I want to thank Pastor Glump, Pastor, Pastor Jomo, for the opportunity to minister tonight. And I want to thank you for pressing your way to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I was, <laughs> I was having problems with my throat, so I took some tea, and now my tea got my temperature all up, so I'm sweating. ain't started yet. But I pray that God will help us get through this. Amen. Amen. Because I believe God has something for you today. So first... Let's welcome any visitors. Any visitors here with us on Wednesday night? Okay. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Welcome. There is no better place than to be in the house of the Lord. Let's open up with the vision. The vision reads, to equip people with the knowledge of God's word, to empower people to seek God's face in daily prayer, 
to encounter and be filled with the Holy Spirit, to evangelize our community, our county, and our country, to embrace each person in godly love, for each one to reach one. Amen. I figured y'all would continue while I... <laughs> Amen. Um, and now, if you have your Bible with you or electronic Bible or phone or however you're going to follow along with us, we'll do our confession. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe that my life will never be the same after hearing and doing the living Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I believe that this Bible changed lives. I believe that my life will never be the same. So those that come to a Bible study, I know y'all realize that your life can change in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Come on, somebody. All right. Hey, I'm, I'm excited, so I'm just going to jump into it because there's a lot that God wants to share, and I'm excited to get to it. So we're in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. You can turn with me in your Bibles. And we're going to start. I've entitled this message, It's Time to Lean In. It's Time to Lean In. So verse 1 starts off, it says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And as I'm looking at that, it's a present active imperative. An imperative we learned in our How to Study the Bible class, imperative are commands. So Paul commands us to rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't give us the option to sit in our sorrow. He says, rejoice in the Lord. So to this side, I say, rejoice in the Lord. To this group, rejoice in the Lord. I don't have the option. God has commanded us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And as I look at this, Paul is writing from a jail cell. There's a, Roman there's a Roman soldier tied to his arm. They had six-hour shifts. So all day, he is shackled in a Roman prison. Yet in his writing, he tells us to rejoice in the Lord. And you may say, Lee, I don't know if there's a whole lot I can rejoice about. You know, my, my bucks got killed this week. I don't, there's not a whole lot to rejoice about. My wife told me, she said, hey, I'm having trouble with my tires, so now I got to get some tires. There's not a lot to rejoice about. I got a call from a friend of mine that has a very ill parent. There isn't a lot to rejoice about. I look and I say, man, how is it that I can be commanded to rejoice? But Paul says rejoice in the Lord. As long as I'm rejoicing in the Lord because God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. God is still in control. So there may be some things that I may not feel happy about, but I can rejoice because my joy is in the Lord. It is the Lord that is my strength. 
Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. And next week in Philippians 4, 4, Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, for the slow people in the back, and again I say rejoice. Paul reminds us that, hey, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. The old folks used to say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. Rejoice is our first point. We have to lean into rejoicing. And next he says, continuing in verse 1, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He said, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. So as I look at that, I see, you know, my mom used to say, repetition is the key to learning. And Paul says, you know what? Um, I'm writing the same things to you, but it's safe for you. You know, sometimes you hear something over and over and over, and in this generation, it's like, hey, I heard that. You know, one thing I hate about DVDs, I've already seen it. I'm like, man, I bought this, I already saw the movie, right? So we don't necessarily like to hear things over, so it makes me say, well, Paul, something must be very important for you to say, hey, you know what? I know it's the same thing. But it's no trouble for me to write this to you, right? There is safety in what is, well, what is it that was so important? He tells us in verse 2. He says, look out for the dogs. He said, TCU, look out for the dogs. (laughs) Now, he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And you may say, hey, Pastor Lee. Pastor Lee. (laughs) Hey, hey! You may say, hey, Pastor Lee, who are the dogs? See, the dogs refer to those Jewish teachers that would come in to the Gentile churches. So Paul would go and he would establish these churches and tell them all about the goodness of God's Word. And then when he would leave, this pack of dogs These ones that would roam around, they would go into the churches and they would start teaching this other gospel. This other gospel was one they would come in and try to convince the people that salvation was gained by works and not by faith. They would come in and say, hey, Gentiles, I know Paul talked about faith and grace, but you have to follow all the laws of the Old Testament in order to be saved. You have to get circumcised and become a real Jew in order to be saved. And Paul warned the people, hey, beware of these false teachers. Paul warned them in Corinthians. He he warned them in Galatians. He warned warned them in Rome. He warned, warned them, man, warned them in Philippi. Because this is a dangerous teaching. It's a dangerous teaching because it teaches that receiving Christ is more than faith alone. Because if it's more than faith alone, then they taught that works were the key to salvation. They would teach that salvation is faith plus works in order to be saved. But the problem with that is, if it's by works, when is it ever enough? How long do I have to fast for salvation? How much do I have to give 
in order to be saved? How much do I have to serve in order to be saved? What dietary needs do I have to follow in order to be saved? When you add something other than faith to the gospel, when it's faith and works, it's no longer the pure gospel of Christ. By faith alone, we have been saved. So they will come and give all these rules. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one could boast. See, these dogs, these evildoers, these mutilators of the flesh will brag on their works. They would say, see, if y'all was a real Jew, you'd follow all the 622 laws of Moses. If you was real, you'd be the church all three services. Come on, somebody. If you was a real one, there's these works that you would have to add to your belief in God. And Paul says this is dangerous because there are many people now that don't have the assurance of their salvation because they've been trying to work to earn it. And if you feel like I got to work to earn it, as soon as you slow down or as soon as you stop, you feel like I have lost my salvation. This was dangerous. And Paul says, watch out for them. Watch out for these evildoers. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. See, the problem with working by the flesh, the problem with salvation by works is you start to put confidence in your flesh. And I don't know how long you've lived in your flesh, <laughs> but after so many years in this one, I know we shouldn't put any confidence in our flesh because your flesh will turn on you. Your flesh, will, well, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Like your flesh will go crazy. So Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. But that's what the Judaizers were teaching. They were teaching, hey, you should put confidence in the flesh. And Paul criticized them because when we put confidence in the flesh, like, hey, well, I don't worship like so-and-so worship, right? Oh, man, I see um, I missed X amount of services. Uh-oh. We put in confidence in works. Paul says in verse 4, now, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I more, verse 5, he says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul's like, listen, if we want to pull resumes, he's like, I got receipts. <laughs> Paul said, um, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Well, that means your parents had to take you. So that means he came from a godly stock. We saw in Acts chapter 6 or 26 that Paul's dad was a Pharisee. So he said, hey, I'm a preacher's kid. If anybody going to get to heaven, it's because my parents took me to church all the time. 
what are you depending on? He says, not only circumcised on the eighth day, he says, uh, of the people of Israel. Listen, I know y'all Gentiles are getting saved if you accept Jesus Christ, but I'm uh, of the people of Israel. I trace my line all the way to Abraham. I'm the, the chosen people. So if we were going to have confidence in the flesh, Paul's like, I got that covered. Paul says, um, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, Benjamin was one of those more respected tribes. You know, <clears throat> Benjamin, when they split, well, actually, when they were together, the first king, King Saul, came from the tribe of Benjamin. And when they split, Benjamin stayed with Judah. So the northern kingdom went, the other ten, and the southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin. These were the ones that wanted to stay next to the temple. These were the ones that stayed in Jerusalem. He, near Jerusalem, he's like, listen, I am of the tribe of Benjamin. And actually, when um, they came back to the land, the other ten tribes have been scattered to the winds. But Judah and Benjamin came back. So Paul's like, hey, 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 I'm a real one. I'm ten toes in. I am, if we're going to pull receipts, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Listen, my mom and my daddy are Hebrew. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm light-skinned. So people are like, you ain't black. You ain't really black. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I ain't, I ain't Tiger Woods or Bahama, uh, Obama black. I said, no, my mama and my daddy black, right? I'm black, black. Paul said, <laughs> say, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's like, I'm a real one. My mom and my dad were Hebrews. He said, I'm a Pharisee. Pharisee was of the strictest section of the Jewish religion. These were the ones that followed the Ten Commandments, the laws of Moses, and they added these extra things and did those as well. So if we're talking about works, I can stand on my works. I've been doing this for years. I, if we're going to have confidence in the flesh, he says, zeal, I arrested those that turned from my religion. Talking about somebody on fire for what I believe? I have zeal. And then he says, under the law, blameless. See, Paul explains that those Judaizers that are coming, if we're pulling receipts, I can, I can have confidence in flesh. But, Paul says, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Any standard that I could stand on, I counted as loss for the cause of Christ. You know, sometimes I'll ask people, I'll say, what are you standing on? Hey, why should you go to heaven? And I hear, hey, I'm a good person. Hey, I'm, I'm better than my neighbor. I take care of my kids. I love my wife. I, you know, I'm a preacher's kid. My, my, my grandma was a prophetess. Heard all of it, a whole lot of stuff. But if we are not standing on Christ and count all this loss for the sake of Christ. He says, verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Paul says, when I count it all up, when I look at all of it, I count it as loss. Um, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. So the ESV says rubbish. I grew up on the King James. King James says dung, excrement, feces, poop. Just I want to make sure I hit everybody. <laughs> he says these things that other people will boast about. You see, and it's, I, I believe that Paul had kind of gave his credentials before. The way he was like boom, 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 boom. He, I believe he had given that before, but he says, you know what? All that mounts up to a hill of dung that I may win Christ. So what about you? The things that you go after, the things that you seek after or hope to achieve of your ambition, would you count it as loss? according to surpassing knowledge of Christ Jesus. So if I take all these things that I've worked toward, all my degrees, all my education, all my experience, all my job, and if I put it on the ledger and I put knowing Christ, how would they sack up? Paul said, I count this as garbage, as trash. My daughter said dog water. I count it dog water. I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but he says, for surpassing worth of knowing God. Paul understood that knowing God is infinitely more valuable than any other pursuit. Today we have to lean in. What are we chasing with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? When you know God, you can partake of his divine nature. Paul said, I want to know him. He says, and when you know God, you can partake of his divine nature. Um, <clears throat> in verse 8, continuing in verse 8, he says, in order that I may gain Christ. Some people don't consider Christ gaining something. Sometimes we feel like, well, I had to give up this. I had to give up that, had to lost some friends, may have lost some money, may have lost some opportunities. Paul said, but you gained Christ. And if you gained Christ, you have it all. Listen that 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Watch how we get it. Watch how we get it. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, that through him you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Paul said, my surpassing knowledge of God is what I want. Peter said that when you understand and in the knowledge of God, you understand the divine nature that you have. The reason I'm willing to count it all lost, because I realize that when I have Christ, there is this divinity that's inside of me. There's this divine nature, and as I get to know who God is, he shows me who I am, and I get to see that I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Amen. So, 
we have to understand that Paul valued the knowledge of God and everything else he counted but rubbish. Philippians 3.9, he says, And he found in him not having a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that from God that depends on faith. You see the contrast? The dogs, the Judaizers, the evil workers said, hey, it's in the flesh. It's by what you do. This is how you get righteousness. Paul says, no, 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 no. Righteousness is found in him. Righteousness is found in him. It's not by what you are doing. It's found in Christ. It's not by what you did yesterday. It's found in Christ. Your righteousness is in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21. Memorize this verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love this verse because this breaks down how it happens. It takes Jesus who was sinless, who fulfilled the law perfectly, and God looked at his righteousness and said, I'm going to give that to Lee. I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give that to you. And the sin that I had, the mistakes that I had, the failures that I had, God said, you know what, I'm going to take them from Lee and put them on him so that you become the righteousness of God. So I walk in righteousness not because of what I did, but because what God has done for you. Paul says, I understand that my righteousness is in him. And because my righteousness is in him, I want to get to know him. See, when you understand that your righteousness comes from Christ, you want to get to know Christ. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3.10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his sufferings, becoming like unto him, uh, like him in his death. See, when you understand that your righteousness is connected in Christ Jesus, then your desire, your goal, your aim, your purpose is to get to know Christ Jesus. And Paul said, I want to know him. That word know, there's two, there's two words that are translated know in the New Testament. There's oida and gnosko. Oida means to know by observation. I see it, I perceive it, I understand it's intuitive. That's not the word here. The word here is gnosko. Gnosko means I know intimately through experience. Paul said that I may know through experience the power of his resurrection. Oh, I wish we had a people that say, you know what? I want to know the power of God and the power of his resurrection through experience. Not something I read about, not something I see that happened. I want to know it through experience. You know, Paul raised people from the dead. Paul went to a whole city, and the city was saved. Paul went to a whole city. He was stoned, and then he went to jail, and the jail got saved. Listen, he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. I want that resurrection power. Anybody here want that resurrection power? Ah, 
that power that comes from trusting in him, that power to live a new life in Christ Jesus, the power to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, the power to restore a life after it's been ravaged by addiction, the power to restore dead marriages, the power to bring my children back home, the power to restore the power of the resurrection the power to heal, the power to raise from the dead. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, I want to stop there for a while. The power of his resurrection. Anything that's been dead, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. The years that you stole it from me, I want to know that you're a God that can restore. You can heal. You can deliver. My family will be healed. My home will be healed. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Hey, hey. They say anything dead needs to be buried, but my God raises the dead. Hallelujah. Paul says, I want to know him by the power of his resurrection. He said, I want to share in his sufferings. Mm-hmm. It get quiet on that one. I know. That's why I went up there early because now it gets quiet on this one. But here's the thing. Paul said, I want to know God so well that I want to know the power of his resurrection but I want to even share in his sufferings. Because you got to realize there's some things you learn at the top of the mountain, but there's some things you learn at the bottom. There's some things you learn when you're by yourself. There's some things that through suffering, you have to learn these. See, God's peace quiets the storm when you're suffering. God's presence comes when you realize that it's just you sitting in your situation. And God's presence comes. Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. I had to pray. I'm reading this book called Dangerous Prayers. And one of the dangerous prayers is anything that's wrong in me, take it out of me. Because sometimes the method that he used to sanctify us is through suffering. But the Bible says, Jesus said in Hebrews, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been perfected, He became the source, verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Listen, I want to understand the power, but I also got to learn obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Ah, you want to be perfected? You want to mature? Go through suffering. There's some lessons you only learn through suffering. And Paul said, I want to know you so well, God, that yes, I want to know the power of resurrection. I want to share in his suffering. Lord, help me get to the place of Job where Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah.
and I'm going to need y'all help because it's in a couple months. <laughs> I want you to be like, Lee, remember God teaching you something. Because <laughs> when we ask for it, God will show you himself. And sometimes the lesson he used is suffering. Amen. And then he says, I also want to be like him. Uh, he says, I want to be like him in his death, totally yielded to the Father, willing to die to my desires that I may walk in newness of life. Romans taught us that we've got to crucify our flesh. Jesus showed us that we can pour out our life in complete service to our Father. He says, that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. There's a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, this thing is trustworthy. Second, second, yeah. This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So I love Paul's prayer here. Paul's prayer is like, well, if I, if I live like he lived, and I suffer like he suffered, and die to myself, then when he reigns, I will reign. So we have to understand that to know God is to try to experience all that he has for you. Even the suffering, Pastor Lee, even the suffering. Because I also want the power of resurrection. So how do I get it? You know, hey, don't, don't, don't. You got to tell them how to do it. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Verse 12. I mean, uh, Philippians chapter 3, 12. Not that I have already attained this or I'm already perfect. Hold up. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes you hear the preacher and the preacher come up and he says, we got to do it and God's going to do it. That's how, when, when I learn how to preach, I'm going to do like, God's going to do it. And sometimes you see something in a pastor or a teacher or a leader, and we get shook. Because it's like, I thought they were perfect. But they're not perfect. Paul says, I desire to know him in the power of his resurrection. He said, but I haven't attained it yet. I, I'm not already perfect. By this time, Paul had been in ministry for 30 years. He had done two missionary journeys, had started multiple churches, trained disciples, and he said, I haven't arrived. So uh, I got ordained in October. So give me a little grace. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm figuring it out. Not that I have attained, right? But neither have you. Some of you have been walking with Christ for a long time, and we look good in service, but you know you. And if truth be told, you haven't attained either. Now, but I, sometimes people, and I, I almost hesitate to, to point out that Paul didn't obtain, because sometimes what we do is we say, well, ain't nobody perfect, so I'll stop. I'll plateau. I say, well, 
why keep going? Ain't, ain't nobody perfect. But that's not the attitude to have. Paul said, not that I have already obtained or that I'm already perfect, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to press to make it my own because Christ, who has made me his own. Listen, Paul said, not that I've already obtained, but I'm going to press because God called me to do something, and I'm going to press until I get there. I'm going to press to accomplish all that God has for me. Christ has made, uh, not that I've obtained to make it my own, Christ Jesus has made me his own. I'm responding. My effort is responding to what God did. God made me his own, so I'm going to press to be all that I can be for him. I'm going to serve. I'm going to work. I'm going to sing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Later. Verse 13. I'm not going to be able to get through all this, so breathe. Um, verse 13. He said, brothers, I do not consider, I, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Stop right there. I'm not there yet, but this is what I will do. This is what I do. I forget those things which are behind. There's some bad things that has happened. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is let it go. Let it go. Paul was killing Christians. Now he's building churches. He said, I got to forget those things that I did. Some of us have fought Christians. <laughs> we got to... Let it go. Listen, I understand that childhood trauma is real. I understand that abuses have happened. But Paul said, this is one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Have you developed unforgiveness in your heart? Because you won't forget those things which are behind. That Greek word forget is to lose out of your mind, to lose out of your mind. And it's the idea of if you stop bringing it up, if you neglect to remember, you will forget. So Paul is saying, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Hey, how can God use me? How can I get to know him? Lee, you don't know what I've done, you know? How could I ever preach? I've tried to commit suicide before, forgetting those things behind. I've failed to trust God over and over and over again, forgetting those things that are behind. Pastor Lee, I've had the abortion, forgetting those things that are behind. Hey, I had the affair. I killed my marriage, forgetting those things that are behind. Satan wants to get us stuck in the dark. 
in the darkest moments of our lives, Satan wants to get us stuck. But <coughs> Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind. The reason I can forget the things that are behind is because my righteousness is not my own. The Bible says, I am a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I can't remember. That wasn't me. God has made me a new creature. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to forget those things that are behind and press toward the mark. The Bible says in Luke, the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 63, Jesus said, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see that those are hard. But Jesus, you don't know what they did to me. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back. He's saying the same thing Paul said. Well, Paul is saying the same thing he said. Forgetting those things which are behind. Looking forward to things that are ahead. Romans 8.1. Listen. Satan tries to use our past and beat us over the head with it. But the Bible reminds us in Romans 8.1. There is therefore... Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We said earlier that my righteousness is in Christ Jesus. So if I have his righteousness applied on my life, I can't have Christ's righteousness and my own condemnation. So pick one. Walk in the righteousness in which God has given us. Um, <clears throat> verse 13, let's go back. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward which is ahead. Straining toward which is ahead. It's effort to keep moving. It's effort to keep going. And I have to strain forward to what's ahead. I press. I push. I don't quit. I press. We've seen many people over, I've seen many people over my lifetime that they got to a point and they stopped pressing. Whatever happened, they couldn't forget. Bitterness dwelt up in their heart, and they stopped pressing. By Paul tells us to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. In, in Rio Olympics, 2016, there was a 400-meter race. You had Alex Felix, multi-gold medalist. She was running the 400 meters against Shania Miller from the Bahamas. And they say, this could be the year that Alex Felix loses. 
as they were running to the finish line. Show my picture. Alice and Felix lost by one-seventh of a second to Shawnee Miller. Pressing, straining to the finish line. She dove across the finish line and won the gold medal in 2016 in the 400 meters. This is the effort. This is the straining. This is the pressing toward the mark that God requires. It's not just, hey, I can make it. There is somebody. Uh, Shawnee Miller was willing to strain. I've got to know God. I've got to go for the gold. Some of us in here, we won't forget what's forgetting those things from behind. And some of us have stopped straining that we may receive the prize. 0.0 seconds separated silver and gold. One was willing to strain. Now she's a gold medalist. Tonight, you'll be able to go finish. You have the notes. You can finish the notes. But I want to highlight, <coughs> if you feel that today, hey, Pastor Lee, I'm no longer straining to the finish. I'm tired. I, haven't for, I won't forget those things that are behind me. Tonight, God is calling us to strain, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Tonight, God is calling us to lean in. Tonight, if you sense that you know what? <coughs> in 2023, I want to press toward the mark like never before. I want to follow hard after God like never before. I want to know him experientially, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. If that's you, then I'm asking today that you stand up right where you are, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for those that want to stretch toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I believe God is calling us higher. I believe God is calling you higher that we can know him experientially, that we can know him at a deeper level because God wants to do miracles. God wants to give you so that his young women and young men will prophesy and his old man will dream dreams. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And tonight is your night to grab onto it. So while I'm praying aloud, I want you in your seat. If there's some things you need to forget, then ask God to give you the strength to forget it. If there's some people you need to forgive, then ask God to give you the strength to forgive today. If there's something that you need to do, now is your time to do work with God. 
make sure you are praying, you are pressing, you are leaning in. You pray individually, and I'll pray corporately. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every individual in this house. I pray, God, that you give them the strength and the power even now to forgive those that have abused, those that have abandoned, those that have discarded them, Father. I pray that you give us your Holy Spirit. Allow us to know you in the power of your resurrection. I pray now that you'll restore homes, you restore families, you forgive us, Father, if we have sinned. Forgive us, Father, for not leaning on you. Forgive us, Father, for slowing down in the race. Forgive us, Father, for not giving at our own. Forgive us, Father, for listening to those that would try to hinder us. I pray, God, that we will press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch your people now. Give them a sense of purpose and a sense of power. You've called them for a reason. You've called them for a purpose. And I pray that even now, strength is filling their spirit. Strength is filling their mind. Strength is filling their body. I pray that you're touched and that you move. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And we close it with a shout. Hallelujah. 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 Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah.